Welcome back, everybody, to this Thursday edition of the podcast. Preview time. Preview city, bitch. Oh, yeah. That's what we're here to give you guys. We got multiple events to talk about today. We got UFC on Vegas, insert number here. We got two Bellator events on back-to-back nights. Bellator 278, Bellator 279. That's Friday and Saturday. In Hawaii. Yeah, in Hawaii, both of those. And we have an interesting fun fact that you wanted to share, correct? Oh, Noah, we noticed off recording all three events we are previewing this for this weekend, preview edition of the show, headlined by women, all three cards. Mm-hmm. This is the first time uh, on the podcast where we've had multiple events to cover for an episode and all three headlining spots to the ladies. It's going to be a fun weekend. Big fights, yeah. too, may I add. They really are, and I should have better transitioned that to you because I, I really gave you a very bad alley-oop right there. But <laughs> I finished it. Elephant in the room. We are recording this as the PFL is starting its new season. We're very excited. The PFL yes. is back. It was a bumpy ride to get here. Challenger Series, the less said about it, the better. That's a reminder when I get off here, I need to cancel my Fubo TV subscription. There you go. Everyone remind Noah in the comments. We all like we like the PFL regular season, so we're we're very excited that it's back. However, these bastards want to do their shows on Wednesdays. Yeah, and and you know I'm a proponent of more weekday in True. May. True, because everything gets clogged up on Fridays and Saturdays, and you know it's hard to watch anything. But you do it on Wednesday, you got my attention. However, it's hard for us to talk about it when we record on Wednesday. So right. we will give an in-depth recap for this card on Monday's show. Right. So just to let you know, because you guys are seeing this on Thursday, you're probably, you might be expecting PFL. It ain't going to be here. But very excited for the card. A lot of big debuts. Jeremy Stevens making his debut. A lot of interesting matchups on this first card. And that'll be the same for the next card, which I believe is next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way it goes, but uh, we will make the best of it. Before we get into some of the headlines for the weekend, um, I want you to tell the people where they can find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the show <laughs> on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Back to the apex we go. Well, I guess you can find me. You can. Find I was going to say I definitely didn't tell him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at ntbaker underscore link in the bio link tree. Shout out to today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor. To the apex we go. Booyah! For this UFC headliner, a very interesting one, as Jessica Andrade, the number one ranked flyweight, is going back to the strawweight division that she was once the champion of. It should be taken on. The top 10 newcomer in Amanda Lemos. Uh, Jessica Andrade is a minus 190 favorite, almost 2-1. to one. Um, Dominic, I, I got to be honest, this fight announcement caught me off guard a little bit because obviously you know what a fan I am of Jessica Andrade. And obviously I yes. followed her. Should we? The first event we saw live, we saw her uh, take down Joanne Calderwood at the time multiple times. This is uh, true. Joanne Calderwood, who had never been taken down at that point. I believe someone told us that, but... I'm not sure if he watches MMA anymore. I don't think um, so, yeah. While Amanda Lemos is someone who I've kind of had this, like, 
haven't really seen her a lot. Like she, I know people have really been excited about her. She's been on a good run. Uh, she finishes people, which is something that you don't see a ton in the women's divisions. But to be honest, like I've kind of just missed, like I've I've just missed the boat on this thing. I'm not saying I'm against Amanda Lamas, but I, I have a hard time really even recalling the fights I've watched of hers. So I want you to to be in the Amanda Lamos camp for just a second to try to tell some of the viewers maybe what are her chances here going up against a former champion and Jessica Andrade. Yeah, I feel like she's got to be one of the most underrated top 10 talents in the whole UFC, Noah, man. I mean, she really has flown under the radar. She lost her UFC debut, but since has been perfect. She's won five straight fights, uh, three of which have been via finish. She was in a war her last time out against Angela Hill. Nearly finished that fight, but it was a really fun 15-minute scrap. She's 11-1-1, man, and I will say she's still older than Jessica Andrade by four years, which is crazy when you look at the list of accomplishments that Andrade has done in the UFC, including winning in three different divisions. Noah, she's an absolute savage, Jessica Andrade. By far, uh, Amanda's hardest test to date, regardless of when Jessica's been uh, you know, at strawweight last, which was July of 2020. So it's been a little while, but Lamos is uh, a legitimate threat, man. And that's what's fun about this fight. Both of them are finishers. They're both frantic and aggressive, fast-paced. I think this is going to be a very fun fight, but I don't think it's going to last that long, my friend. You don't think it goes to full 25? Oh, I do not. I don't even think it makes it past mm, the third round at the most. I see you got that odds maker mentality. I believe <laughs> the over-under is uh, three and a half rounds. I yes, it is. Um, now, let me ask you something to transition, because I'm glad that you kind of gave me a little more insight and maybe some of the other viewers into Amanda Lemos and what kind of threat she could be. Let's talk about Jessica Andrade, because, um, you know, we after she lost to Valentina in the fashion she did, she came back later that year, later last year, fought Cynthia Calvillo, dominated mm -hmm. her, got a really nice finish there. Are you surprised that she's making this uh, transition back to uh, straw weight? And maybe you can also speak on, do you think this is the right move for her here at 30 years old in the prime of her career? Dude, honestly, I could just see this woman right here in Andrade, the tiny little bulldog, just go back and forth at this point between 115 and 125 because she essentially cuts no weight to get to 125 and hardly cuts much to get to 115. She's literally like the perfect in-between, so I could see her bouncing back and forth. What's going to get me to a title shot quicker? I think there was just too much up in the air at flyweight. She was still coming off of a pretty recent loss to Valentina. There's new challengers kind of working their way up in this weight class. Rose is back at the you know the top of the throne. We know that they're one apiece, so there's a potential trilogy there uh, that Andrade could be interested in. Also, I mean, of course, she's coming back against number ten. But when you look at the accomplishments that Jessica's had, should she come in and beat Lemos, it's not like they're going to put her at number ten. She's going to catapult right back into title contention easily. I would assume that. Yeah, I definitely would. And I, I for one, am actually really happy about this move. Now, it hurts the flyweight division. That's okay. We got a bunch of women on the way up. We've talked yep. about that before. Um, Jessica Andrade might be a better fighter at 125 pounds. Actually, kind of contrary to what you were saying, when she made the move, she said that the cut to 115 is extremely difficult for her. Really? You, would, you wouldn't think it because her stature, know, 
is so <laughs> small, but I think she's just so muscular. Yeah. That she doesn't carry a lot of fat. And I think it's just harder for her to get to that weight. I remember when she made the move, that's what she said. However, yeah. she did kind of say at 125 pounds, I don't have to cut very much. So yeah. maybe it's not a lot of weight, but just it's enough to where she can't really do it. However, she's obviously going back down for a reason here. Right. I think she might be a better fighter at flyweight, but that's saying a lot because she was a champion at strawweight and has won a ton of fights there. But at flyweight, she did seem to hit like another stride. That is until she ran into the queen of the division, Valentina Shevchenko, who dominated her. And I think that's the biggest reason for this switch. It's not that it's not due to a lack of success at flyweight, but it's at, at strawweight, you, there's a clearer end of the tunnel. There's a clearer light at the end of the tunnel. There's a clearer yeah. path to a title shot. You have unfinished business with the current champion, Rose Namajunas. It's tied one apiece. As much as people might look at that rivalry and assume that Rose has just kind of been dominant and got unlucky in the first fight. In the second fight, let's not forget, round three, Andrade came on very strong on Fight Island. And if that fight had a couple more rounds to it, I'm not sure if Rose would have been able to make it. Yeah. That's been Andrade's style her whole career. You know, she's she walk you down. Very aggressive, throws heavy punches. She's a bit limited compared to some of the top of the divisions of the women's division. That's why Valentina was so dominant against her. Against Lemos, mm, I don't see where. And again, I, I admit that I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a late, a late bloomer to the Amanda Lemos uh, hype train. I know Lemos is a hard puncher herself. I just don't see her being able to win that battle against Jessica Andrade. I could yeah. be wrong. You saw when Andrade went up against Zhang Wei Li, how Wei Li was able to dispose of her by kind of using Andrade's style against her. Right. Like almost being a matador against the bull, but landing her own heavy shots, using Andrade's momentum against her. It was really, I mean, an emphatic title win for uh, Zhang at that time. I just don't know if Lemos has that capabilities to do that. I think she's very good. There's a reason why she's right here in number 10. Right. But Jessica Andrade is, is still maybe one of the top five or six pound-for-pound pound women's fighters in the world, in my opinion. And yeah. I just have a hard time believing Amanda Lemos is ready for this kind of challenge. Now, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about Jessica Andrade's title aspirations here because that's something we both touched on we both kind of think right now if she wins this fight even though it's number 10 it kind of pushes her into the kind of crowded title picture here at strawweight yeah the next pay-per-view for the ufc we'll see rose namunas run it back second time carlos barza yep andrade like i said unfinished business with the champion but even if Carla Esparza wins that fight. That's a fresh matchup. Andrade and her have never fought before. Very interesting. Yep. Yeah. And then you also got Zhang Weili and Joanna having a rematch in the summer. So I, I can't quite say that a win here guarantees Andrade a title shot. No. no. But I, def, I definitely think there's a ch- Actually, I think there's a solid chance, though, that a win here will get her the next title shot. But the way you kind of 
responded makes me think that you don't think so. I think if you're Jessica Andrade, obviously you have to come in here and beat Lamos, but you're hoping Rose beats Carla. I think that's kind of the that's what's going to really line it up the best. Because like you said, if Carla does win, yes, it's a fresh matchup, but you still have Zhang Weili, you have Joanna, which is another rematch if Carla and Joanna were to fight again. So uh, there, uh, Zhang Weili and Joanna would both be rematches for Andrade as well. She could fight the winner of that in a number one contender fight, you know, kind of deal. So it's possible. I think it's hard, but she's, I'll put it this way. If she wins this fight, she's no more than one win away from a title after this. I think sure. that's what most people are probably going to think. You know, you're fighting yeah. number 10, even though they think Andrade is better than that. Usually that's not the kind of person that you beat yeah. to get a title shot. I'll agree with that. But I think deep in my mind, when I think of, like, let's say if Rose beats Esparza, mm-hmm. and let's say Andrade beats Lemos, what fight interests me more? The trilogy bout between Rose and Andrade or a trilogy bout with Joanna, or a trilogy bout with Jean Lely. The right. trilogy bout with Andrade is the one I'm most interested in. It's the only one that's even. It's one apiece. Right yeah, exactly. Yep. So I'm just saying that if, if, if both of those things come true, don't be surprised. I'm not saying this to you because I don't think you would be, but don't be surprised to, to those yeah. at home listening if Andrade might not go, might go right into a title shot. And I think it'd be well earned because. Yeah, like, I get it. Hopping around divisions is kind of a, for title shots, some people, you can be awfully critical of it, and we mm-hmm. have at times, but at least she's coming back. She's winning a fight. She's not just jumping right into a title fight. Right. And um, I think as long as she wins, we know how good she is still. Yeah, this is going to be a fun-ass fight, guys, for real. Mm-hmm. Tune into this. Yeah, this is happening Saturday night. Again, yep. you know, okay, that's normal for the UFC. We're going to transition into an event, Bellator's first of two events this weekend, but it will be Friday night. Uh, this is happening in, is it Honolulu, Hawaii? I think or... so. I could be wrong, but it's, I just know it's in Hawaii for sure. <laughs> Let me look it up because I want to be sure. Two events, though, back-to-back, Bellator... back, both days yep. in Hawaii. Bellator 278 at the Neil S. Blaisdell Arena in Honolulu, Hawaii. There it is. So Friday, you got our main event. This will be for the women's flyweight title. Mm-hmm. Dare I say this might be the matchup I'm most interested in this weekend. Juliana Velasquez looks to make the second defense of her title against the number two ranked Liz Carmouche. Dominic Liz Carmouche, a absolute OG of the women's fight game, a veteran. She has fought for, I mean, I, I literally, I, I, the other day I was watching an old Strike Force card and she was fighting for the women's title on yeah. that card I just so happened to turn on. And she dominated that fight. And I can't, the champion, it's so crazy, the champion I'd never heard of. But she was like this great Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. I can't remember her. Mm-hmm. can't even remember her name now. And yet... <laughs> Carmouche dominates the fight for like three rounds and then gets caught in a submission in round yeah. four and loses. Mm. Then you see what Liz Carmouche was doing to Ronda Rousey, the very first women's fight, UFC history, gave her a good run for her money. But Dominic, Liz Carmouche has never quite been mm. able to reach the top of the mountain. But here she is, older in her age, maybe wiser in her years. 
Uh, she's had a lot of fights, but she's mostly been winning. And here she is fighting Juliana Velasquez for the title. Your thoughts on the matchup? I'm excited, man. Juliana Velasquez, she's 12-0, 7-0 in Bellator. She beat the once unstoppable, it seemed like, <laughs> Alima Leigh McFarlane, who's also fighting this weekend. Um, so she's good. She's a legitimate talent. But she's 35 in her own right. Yes, they hit primes at different times, these fighters, and it seems like Juliana has done just that by becoming the champion at this point in her career. I know her first title defense didn't leave much uh, to be desired, I think is kind of the phrase. Just a very close fight and not a very yeah. active fight for her. Yeah, who's for someone for her that is such a very good talent, too, and so well-rounded. Liz Carmouche, though, her last performance, the complete opposite. Came out like a bullet and dominated her way to earning this title and, fight, man. And sorry, not to cut you off, but what's so You're weird, good. I want to I touch on that because if you, this is such proof that you're only as good as your last performance. <laughs> yeah. Because Juliana yeah. Velasquez came out a little um, less than what we'd seen from her, less than stellar in right, her first right. title defense. We expected her to kind of dominate. Um, I can't remember her. Denise Keyholtz was who she fought. Mm. And we, we kind of thought she might dominate her. Didn't happen that way. It was a very close yeah. fight. A lot of people thought Denise might have even won that fight and maybe should have been in this position here in a rematch while like you said Carmouche got that emphatic first minute TKO of Kana Watanabe however if you look at the few fights they had before that one yeah it tells the opposite story Juliana right. Velasquez had been dominating people with her judo with her reach advantage she'd been striking got really good at striking at a distance while if you look at Liz Carmouche I mean yeah she was winning but like, you look at her last fight in the UFC, which was for the women's flyweight title and a loss on a fight night uh, against Valentina Shevchenko. I forgot she fought for that belt, too. I totally <laughs> yeah. forgot. So, in that fight, it was so weird because the UFC cut her afterwards. But if you watch that fight, I almost felt like when I watched it live that once, um, once Liz's uh, game plan didn't work, I got the sense that she just became content with taking that fight to a decision. There was no real sense of urgency there. There was no... Yeah. Um, it just didn't seem like the fighter that we had gotten used to seeing through the years, this scrapper, this... You know, this is a woman who had served in the military, you know. She's yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite the badass in real life, you know. However, in my head, I'm like, well, maybe she was thinking if I get finished here, I might get cut. I just need to get through this fight, go to a distance. That way I can get another contract. But then the right. UFC cut her anyways, so I don't know. But uh, in Bellator, she kind of – it took her a while to kind of make that impression, but she did it under the best circumstances she could have done. And Kana Watanabe, who yep. was someone a lot of people, us included, were high on. And she goes out there and finishes her in under a minute. You never see that in women's MMA, and she did it. So yep. even though – if you take out the last fight, it tells the opposite story. It's hard not to be invested in what we have here in a challenger who looks to have more steam behind her than the champion. Yeah, But that's I would true. argue that the, the actual X's and O's favor our champion a lot here because you got Velasquez, who is still a very good distant striker, has a big reach advantage on the challenger and Liz Carmouche. And 
I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, when it comes to like the actual X's nose, I have a hard time seeing Liz Carmouche winning this fight. But if intangibles matter, and if Velasquez comes out here and is kind of puts it in autopilot like she did in her last fight, I'm not sure if we're going to see her retain her title here, Dom. Yeah, the, and you talk about, you know, a potential big feel-good moment. There was almost one last week, right, with Corey Anderson, but then the no contest happened. Someone that's been through the ringer in the UFC never reached that mountain. Liz Carmouche copy and paste that same storyline here, except Noah even laid it out even better. No title in strike force. Two times attempted in the UFC, never got to the title. Can Liz Carmouche finally reach the top of the sport, get a gold belt wrapped around her waist? Big storyline implications on this uh, title fight here. Yeah, now for our headliner on Saturday's Bellator 279 for the women's featherweight title, champion Chris Cyborg looks to make her first defense of 2022, and she'll do so against a familiar foe, the number one ranked Arlene Blenko. Now, Arlene is someone who has fought for this very title twice before, both in losing efforts, Dominic. But she's here against someone she's fought before. I think she lost to Cyborg the first time via second-round submission, um, which obviously is not something that happens a lot. With it's the, the first of Cyborg. Cyborg's career. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, I guess when you when you look at this matchup, it's very obvious to kind of have the knee-jerk reaction and just assume that Chris Cyborg is going to do to her what she did the first time. Yeah. But coming off the heels of the Amanda Nunes loss to Juliana Pena, I don't feel as confident in being that way with a fight like this like I once did. I'm curious yeah. how you feel going into this one. Oh, man, it's so hard to just not see Cyborg coming out on top, man. Someone that's still a pretty mm-hmm. recent opponent. I mean, Arlene, don't get me wrong, she's went back to the drawing board. She's won two fights, right, since that first Cyborg matchup. But Cyborg has just been making such easy work of all of her Bellator opponents thus far, man. Even if there's a tiny bit of adversity, she bounces back. She's still showing improvements again when she got to her first ever submission of her career and she's 36 years old like that's pretty impressive that she's continuing to evolve yes it's a step down a little from the ufc and bellator but she's still as good as ever man chris cyborg and i just think this might be another kind of uh feather in her cap potentially here i still don't understand why it's not her uh versus kat zingano the world may never know i don't know what bellator is doing arlene i'm not taking nothing away from you you might shut me up and shock the world let me present a scenario to you, <clears throat> okay. and I'll see what you think here. Ooh. Back at yep. UFC 269, when Amanda Nunes lost to Juliana Pena, the fight that has scrambled my brains ever since. <laughs> ever since, yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> going into that fight, there was a lot of chatter. That was where the chatter got its highest as far as Dana White even acknowledging that the UFC were in talks with Kayla Harrison Uh-oh. was perhaps Amanda Nunez's mind on greener pastures on bigger fights ahead and overlooked Juliana Pena. Didn't take her as serious. Didn't train as hard for her. Possibly. She sure didn't fight like she had been training that hard. Yeah. Um, now you have Chris Cyborg who is in a similar position and maybe even a more realistic one. Kayla Harrison has resigned with the PFL Okay, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But you got Chris Cyborg, who is, if I remember right, she still hasn't signed a new contract, right? So she's still. This must be. 
Is this the last fight? The last fight on our contract. um, Which, if I remember, I could be wrong about this part. So uh, do do your own research. I believe that this is the last fight of her contract. So perhaps there's a lot of other things on her mind going in here Uh, about getting a bigger contract, about pushing Bellator to co promote with the PFL, perhaps even going to the PFL to make yeah. the fight with Kayla Harrison happen. Or perhaps wondering, why isn't the Cat Zingano fight happy? Why am I rematching someone who I already put to sleep, something I'd never done previously by submission? Would it be too much to say that maybe she could be overlooking Arlene Blenko here in the rematch? You know, Noah, it's MMA, and they say it takes one shot and it can alter the state of the MMA universe as we know it, as what happened at UFC 269. So I'm not ruling out an, an Arlene Blinko upset, but I just find it very hard to believe with the way that Cyborg has looked since transitioning over to Bellator. She's looked so dominant in all of her fights, including her win over Arlene already uh, in the past for the title. So again, I'm not ruling it out, but I just think it's a very, very tall hill to climb. I'll put it that way. Over under 50% chance Kayla Harrison is in attendance. Oh, I'm going to go under. I don't think she'll be there. Really? I think I think she's dead set right now focused on May 6th, first PFL match. I don't think she'll be there. All right, fine. I'll agree with you. But at first I was thinking I could see her going into business. You're really into this, though. I, like I could it. see her going into business for herself here. And, and I also could yeah. see... The PFL are behind. They're the ones pushing for this to happen. So yeah. They, who's to say they wouldn't pay her to go and sit front row? Here, I'll um, tell you this. Let's go with this right here. If Cyborg wins this weekend, she'll be at PFL in Texas on May 6th. How about that? <laughs> I like where your head's at. I, this is – things are getting interesting. Oh, right? yeah. I, oh, yeah. I sure hope I wasn't wrong on her contract being up. <laughs> That was true a few months ago. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's came to terms since then and true. figured that out. So, true. I will say if she doesn't have a new contract, definitely. But if she does, probably not. The tin caps are on. Tin foil hats. Sorry, <laughs> the, I messed it foil. up. Damn it! I was like, the what? <laughs> the anyway. rally caps are on. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, but let's move on to the other big. Uh, topic for these two Bellator cards, and that's that the Bantamweight Grand Prix is underway, Dom. It kicks off on Friday. We got our two play-in bouts, which I'll explain that for anybody who might still be confused on what's going on with this Grand Prix. There's been a lot of names leaving, a lot of names being brought in, and then they get out too. It's all a mess. But then we got two, basically our whole, two of our first-round bouts will take place, and then we got two play-in bouts, which will determine the final two participants in the eight-man Grand Prix. So, yeah. Friday, playing bouts. We got number nine-ranked Jornel Lugo taking on Danny Sabatello, the fantastic wrestler. The winner of that fight will fight Leandro Ego in the first round. And then, same night, Nikita Mikhailov will be taking on Enrique Barzola, the winner of that fight will fight Magomed Magomedov. Tough draw. Yes. <laughs> then you got the interim Bellator Bantamweight title will be on the line, Dominic. Gold is on the lines. Because the whole reason this is happening, the whole reason we have two playing bouts is because our champion Sergio Pettis 
and James Gallagher are out. Yes. Sucks. It absolutely sucks. This is why tournaments are so hard to do. Well, I think (laughs) they're great when they work. Yes. But unfortunately, right. a lot has to go your way for them to work. We just found and that for out. Bellator, it hasn't went that way lately. <laughs> we just found that out last weekend. Yeah. Guys, okay? yeah. So, anyways, we got Juan Archuleta, who is the former champion, the man who Sergio Pettis took the belt from, going up against Rafael Stotts. It's a great Stotts. Fight. Yeah, it's a great fight. Stotts, really a guy a lot of people are believing. Maybe this guy can be the champion. And uh, he was originally going to be fighting Sergio Pez, who apparently they're good friends. Uh, yeah, trained together. Train together. Um, so an interesting bout there. And then we got Patchy Mix coming off a win over James Gallagher late last year. He's taking on Kyoji Horiguchi, who you know wants redemption for a dominant performance against uh, Pettis in his first title defense, but ultimately gets hit with a spinning back fist. And gets mm-hmm. knocked out. Shout out to the spinning back fist MMA show for Barcelona. <laughs> yes, true, true. Um, so, Dominic, we got four bouts. Uh, technically, two of them are to get into the tournament. Yeah. Two, yeah. But anyways, the tournament's kicking off. So kind of give me your overall thoughts on this first round, these matchups, anything that sticks out to you. How are you feeling about it? We're coming off a tough end or, I guess, tough stepping stone into the light heavyweight grand prix is there any is there any uh optimism or pessimism going in here i'll tell you as much shit as hit the fan for this bantamweight grand prix already i'm still pretty excited because there's still so many phenomenal matchups man i i gotta be looking forward to archuleta stats the most i have to be man the former champ against hafian stats who beat Magomed Magomedov. We know how important that fight was that we previewed late last year. I just think that that's going to be a very good stylistic matchup. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm assuming this one will be five rounds because it's for a title. The others, I'm guessing three, I would assume, for the Grand Prix. Yes. So uh, that makes it even more exciting. Can we see these guys go to the championship rounds? Archuleta, we've obviously seen uh, be tested in those waters before. Uh, I think that's a great fight. Archuleta, man, 25-3. and three. I never realized how incredible... That his record was, but Hafian Stotts, 17 and 1. He's 5 0 in Bellator. That's got to be the one I'm most excited for. And I will say, I wanted to note this. I said this off recording for that play in tournament game with uh, number nine, Jornel Lugo, and uh, Danny Sabatello. Danny Sabatello is 11 and 1, 1 and 0 in Bellator. He's coming into this, obviously, not necessarily supposed to be in, quote unquote, but is a minus 365 favorite over the ranked Bantamweight, undefeated. Jornel Lugo, look out for Danny. That might be the best fight of both cards. Like as far as if I had to pick like a fight of the night across yeah. both nights, I think Lugo Sabatello might be the best fight overall. Yeah. Now with that being said, the matchup I'm most excited for, I'm going to go with another one from Saturday: Patchy Mix Kyoji Horiguchi. Because Dominic, I'm very high on Patchy Mix, but even in that win over Gallagher, he did miss weight. So first, yeah. he's got to be able to make the weight. And then you're going up against Kyoji Horiguchi, who is one of, I mean, before his fight with Pettis, was maybe, some people thought maybe the best bantamweight in the world. I mean, he even had that kind of praise. Yeah. Um, he came up short. You know he's going to be looking for redemption here. And I'm looking for him to be very motivated in this matchup. But Patchy Mix has some has some advantages here and. I'm very curious how the fight will play out. I think we could be in for a very fun fight. 
And yes, Archuleta's thoughts, give me that all day. I mean, that's a great fight. It's a fight that makes sense to be for an interim title. Um, yeah, it's a little, it sucks that like we're not getting the true Bantamweight title defended through this tournament. But in some ways, I, I kind of explained this when Pettis was removed originally. It kind of makes sense that like all these guys are fighting for the opportunity to at the end the final boss is the champion Sergio yeah. Pettis. So yeah, in a way, if, for a guy like me who grew up playing Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, it makes more sense. But uh, these fights are all going to be great. I mean, even Mikhailov Barzola, Mikhailov, 23 years old. Yes. He looks like an absolute stud. Well, you got Barzola, who's more battle-tested, more experienced. I believe he's 17-5-2, a real scrapper uh, in that one. So overall, I think it should be a great start. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully, you can get that bad taste of our mouth at the end. And in quotations of the light heavyweight Grand Prix we saw last weekend. Oh, I her sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about these cards later, but let's go to a fight announcement. No S. <laughs> no S. Well, S on the banner. Well, I, yeah, it's S on the banner. It's always but only one banner, today. But right. only one today. In yeah. the UFC, Brad Tavares, he's Ooh. coming off a win. I know that he looked really good. Uh, I want to say it's been a while since he's he fought. Man, Madoff, Omari Akhmadov, is that was that? I Ak believe so. Last fight in UFC, I think so. I'll confirm. He he looked really good. He's still ranked number twelve, but it's a guy that's been less active over the years. He's going up against the hammer that is Drickus Duplessis, who is we were supposed to see him fight on UFC two seventy three. He yep. was original. I forget who his original opponent was, but then they put him with Kelvin Gaslam, and then Kelvin Gaslam pulled out. So Drickus just wants a fight. He's going to get one with Brad Tavares July 2nd, an opportunity for him to bounce into the top 15. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's exciting. I actually really like this matchup. Uh, you know, Tavares, it was Akhmedov, by the way, July 2021 is last time we've seen Brad hey, fight. He's active. It's going to be a year yeah. for this fight. And it's been like that for him. He's had kind of lengthy layoffs uh, mm -hmm. between his fights, but man, he's a fun fighter to watch. Always been in good scraps. Drixus Duplessis, he has really came in with a storm and looked great in the UFC thus far from South Africa, a whole new region that the UFC had never mm -hmm. reached before uh, with him. And I think that's got a barn burner written all over it. Drickus was supposed to fight Chris Curtis, then Kelvin Gastelum, but now yeah. he's getting a chance to bounce into the top 15 anyway with number 12, Tavares. I think that's an incredible fight. Yeah, and that's on International Fight Weeks. So that'll be UFC 276 on July 2nd. A big stage for both guys, really, at this point. Yes, very. Now, we got a few other news stories, some things that we have overlooked, things we missed. Um, some of these you guys might think are bigger stories than we're making them out to be right now, but uh, yeah, we'll just get into it. Let's start with Dominic. Did you happen to see the awkward encounter between Joaquin Buckley and the MMA BFFs of Darren Till and Hamza Chimaya. For those of you that have it, I'll just set the scene of what happened here. The video just shows uh, Joaquin Buckley and Darren Till having a somewhat mm, contentious but respectful. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me of like Darren Till's same kind of conversation with Mike Perry. Talking yes. About spa versus spar. Yes, know, yes. Thing. Uh, but basically Joaquin Buckley is looking for a fight and he's talking about July and Darren's like, okay, ready like are you gonna we'll fight and you know they shake hands or whatever Hamzat this is right after the weigh-ins Hamzat yeah. 
looks pissed. He probably hasn't eaten in like two days. <laughs> he said, if you're going to play gangster, I will fuck you up. Um, that's terrifying. So yes. Don't do that. Uh, this was just kind of awkward, wasn't it? What were, what were your thoughts seeing this? Oh, the worst part, Noah, was when the exchange oh. is over and Hamzat goes. Oh, no. No, we're no. T- by the way, we're t- they, my man just got Jeremy Stevens. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm about to cry. Like, yeah, I never laughed so hard, but wanted to cry so hard at the same time. So Buckley gets done talking to Darren Till, seemingly thinking, "Wait, did I actually just secure a fight with Darren Till in July?" <laughs> and Hamzat goes, "Who was that guy?" <laughs> and and Darren goes, "I don't know." And then they just start laughing. I'm like, "Oh no." My so we're talking, man, hey, got Jeremy Stevens. The most the viral season. knockout of 2020. Hamzat and Darren Till don't give a shit. <laughs> I I watched this and like you know I I'm a bit I'm I like Jeremy Stevens right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a fun fighter. He's got yeah. to put on all these wars. I like Joaquin Buckley. He had the knockout of the year for the Joey's in 2020. Yes. It hurts me, but I can't help but laugh at it, man. <laughs> Oh, I mean, man, Joaquin Buckley, you can tell he's been really trying to, like, get some sort of uh, casual fan of people yeah. behind him. Yeah. He had that, uh, what was that guy's name? The the Detroit Survival. Uh, yeah, the, I forget. I don't know his name. name, but. The guy who teaches you how to get killed, basically. Yes, right. So, right. Um, that guy. But he had him in his corner, and it didn't really feel like it did all that much for him. Um, here, this this was hard to watch, man. It was tough. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Walking Buckley also, can't wait to see a fight, though. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He's a fun fighter. Coming yeah. off a good win over Al Hassan in a yeah. fight that I said had zero chance to go to distance. Kiss it did. Yeah, and I yeah. bet on it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just like Hamzat and Gilbert Burns. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, betting's fun. Anyways, next one. Dan White had a short little snippet from an interview with TMZ Sports. Man, why, why is TMZ Sports always getting these? Yeah. Anyways, he said that a fight that would make sense this summer is John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. Dominic, I almost didn't put it on the sheet because we've <laughs> talked about this fight yep. so many times. Yeah. But now that he said this, is there at least some optimism in your mind that he's going to try to make this happen now if there wasn't before? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, again, we've talked about this potential fight so many, so many different episodes, but uh, it just—it's starting to feel more and more realistic because Francis is now out with surgery. Both guys are free uh, to line up. That'd be humongous for International Fight Week on either. I'm assuming the main one in the early July, but the later July one, I'm sure it'll be the big one. And I just think we've been waiting and waiting. And waiting it'll be two and a half years now if this fight happens in july since we've seen john jones compete in the octagon for stipe it'd be a year and a half two of the greatest fighters to ever do it coming off long layoffs john jones making his long awaited debut at heavyweight the storylines are endless gold on the line well number one contender gold on the line a matchup with francis in the I mean, future legacy on the line this legacy humongous just, you know, yes stipe, legacy stipe won the trilogy with daniel cormier and we said like okay that legacy bout wins it. But now he gets an even bigger legacy bout. A guy who is hey. perhaps the best of all time, who is going up to your weight class that you have put your stamp on as being the best ever there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the stories write themselves. And 
I, I will say that since Dana is at least saying it, tells me that it's probably going to happen. Well, I shouldn't say it tells me it's going to happen. It tells me that he's really going to try to. They're trying, right, right. And you know, uh, I'm going to be excited for it. I know we've we've had our we said our piece about John Jones, and I can't help but have it in the back of my head when I talk about it. Just because it's not really getting resolved, we're just kind of sweeping it under the rug and yep. hoping that it doesn't show its ugly face anymore. But um, you know, it, it's still a huge fight. It's that's the matter of fact here. I mean, we can pretend like it's not. We can pretend like we hate it because this or that. But uh, at the end of the day, we're fight fans, and this is one of the biggest fights that the UFC can and will do. And, and I just want to discuss a quick narrative too that just came across my mind. <laughs> We discussed legacy and how huge this is. You look at Stipe, the clear cut for now, greatest heavyweight we've ever seen. If he gets a win over John Jones, we're talking all time great status. Maybe not number one, but he's certainly would catapult himself in there with a win. But for John, a guy that's looked at by many as already the number one pound for pound fighter ever, if he comes in and beats Stipe, the heavyweight goat, puts himself right in line for a title shot with Francis, like it almost feels like. There's not so much on the line for Stipe because we've had this discussion where his legacy is kind of cemented and anything else that happens is just kind of like icing on the cake. John Jones, I can't say that yet. I feel like there's still more to see from John. Again, if he wants to move up and get this second belt, solidify, I am the best ever, there's no one close. What do you kind of think about that and just the comparison between the importance for each guy if they were to fight. I think that's kind of that's kind of crazy to put it like that because, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but like when you're saying that John Jones has more to gain from this, perhaps legacy-wise, right. when he's the one that's further up, you yeah, know? yeah, he's the one that's no doubt top three. But uh, yeah, you know, I, like I think I had him at number one. You might have him at number three. Yeah, um, Stipe is the one that's like in the back half of the top ten for both of us. So right. It would feel like Stipe should have more to gain from this. If I'm going to be pessimistic for just a second, I kind of think when it comes to talking about legacy, I'm not the one that brought it up, but I feel like once if this fight happens this summer, I think you're going to have a lot of people. If you're talking legacy, if you're talking public opinion, there's going to be a lot of caveats no matter who wins. Of course. If Stipe wins... You're going to hear about the layoff of Jones and yep. blah, blah, blah. And then if Jones wins, they're going to say, well, he, he didn't beat the best version of Stipe. He's mm-hmm. another long layoff. He's older. He, yeah. It, <clears throat> neither guy, I'm not sure if either guy will really gain all that much in terms of the casual fan base or the hardcore fan base. But for me personally, I still think both are fighting at a high level to where. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. I think I would I would argue that Stipe has more to gain, even though I was I did tell I I was the one I sat there with you and said that that his legacy was kind of cemented. Yeah. Anything else was gravy. I didn't think this fight was gonna happen when I said that. Yeah. Now you have a chance to fight the best of all time in my eyes. I mean, come on. And it's a guy it, that people are not a big fan of. So yeah. Think of like a win there could do actually. I would argue that if Jones wins, you're going to get a lot of those caveats. A lot of people saying that he beat a washed up Stipe or whatever. <clears throat> if Stipe wins, people are going to shower that dude. He's going to be treated like a hero. 
Well, I, here, think about this. Now we're just now we're going. Now we're just on a tangent yeah. here. But listen, this is Ohio by not not biased, but Ohio fandom coming out of me with yeah. this question. But just en- envision this: like if Steve were to go out and beat John Jones, be- beating John Jones, obviously no one's ever done it except for um, what's his name, <laughs> Matt Hamill via disqualification. He's the real goat. But another Ohio guy, by the way. If Stipe can for real come out and beat John Jones, and then <clears throat> say he goes and gets that trilogy win against Francis, with those two wins, does he all of a sudden just skyrocket? To, like, is he top three all of a sudden with just if he gets those two wins to finish his career? That is humongous to become a three time heavyweight champion, beat Francis twice, beat John Jones. He's already got the heavyweight title defense record. I'm kind of going nuts here with it, I know. Well, I, I'm glad you are, because I think the reason that I'm not is because I have a hard time seeing him beating either of, of course. those two guys. But if he does it, I mean, wow, top five at the worst. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's yeah. I mean, it's up. It's all up to everybody's opinion, I guess. But yeah, you'd be hard to keep him out. Yeah. You know, look and at of the course, accomplishments at that point, you know, three time yeah, champion. The yeah. names on his resume, I mean, how could you put Habib in the top five and not Stipe at right. that point? Just because Habib's undefeated. Like, I get it. That's great. I, I have Habib in my top five. But yeah, I'm just saying, like, how, how could you compare the resumes there? I don't think you can. Right, right. And, of course, obviously, if John comes in to beat Stipe, beats Francis, I think that pretty much solidifies number one all time as well. So, obviously, that's the other mm-hmm. side of the coin, too. Yeah. Finally, last one here. And you personal son favorite. of a bitch. He, he demanded that this be on the show today. True. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping you followed this closer than I have because I ain't followed this at all. Oh, great. This will be fun then. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been see- uh, there's been a lot of back and forth on Twitter between one Michael Bisping and Jake Paul. And apparently this all stems from, well, I guess I know a little bit more about it then. It stems <laughs> from Jake Paul made some sort of hit list. Um, I guess he put it on Twitter. It's like a, I guess it would be like ideally some guys he would fight. Maybe I don't. I don't know. It must be full of old retired fighters. Well, Michael Bisping was on it. Who and Michael Bisping responded by saying that there's no way he could be on it because he is Jake's size. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, people, there's a lot of people talking about this, and a lot of people oh, yeah. are talking like this fight's inevitable. Mm. Michael Bisping has one eye, Dominic. He does have one eye. Jake Paul's poked fun at that, by the way. But I'm just saying, like, how... Okay, I know we've seen, like, a fighter who got... He fought uh, for, like, uh, Bellator, I think, or something, and he fought on a contender series, and he had one arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm not saying it's impossible, but isn't it impossible if you can't see in one eye that you would be able to fight? I think there's mm, less than two percent chance this fight happens. Well, did you see the the video Bisping put out of the? Ooh, I did not see a video. I don't. It think. It was a a man and a woman who. Um, hopefully, you guys will know more than me at home that are following along. Um, basically, they sent Michael a video saying we can get you a license to fight. Um, or they called it, they said, we don't give out licenses, we give out permits to fight or something like that. So basically, they said if Jake Paul wanted to do the fight, they could, like, 
license it. Or, or oh, that, that that seems legit. That seems legit. So, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, you'll have to go watch it. I don't know. But um, basically, I know everything I'm saying makes it sound like, okay, are you really taking this? <laughs> Bisping posted it, and he said, your move at Jake Paul. So I'm just putting that in there. I, can I just say that let's not even talk about the possibility of this happening. Can I just say that the MMA community, the fighters, the community, they're all disappointing me and that they, I know we're talking about, it. I get it. We're just, we're part of the problem. Right? We're part of the, ugh. but I'm so tired. Why is Bisping talking about this? Like the, why, why is this? He has said before that he would never fight Jake Paul. That yeah. It's just not something he would ever do. And now he's like entertaining it. And I get it. There's a lot of money that can come from it, but come on, people. I know I love money just as much as the next guy. But how much? What's it worth? I mean, would you really want to be Tyron Woodley when he got fucking face planted? Come on. I mean, that's a former welterweight champion who's never whose reputation's never going to recover from that. Yeah, yeah. I I just hope no that this would never ever happen. I can't believe <laughs> that there's some, there's, there, I mean, maybe Florida, Florida might do it. Fucking Florida. <laughs> Peninsula ass Florida. Florida. Florida might do it. I mean, they might go. Bisbing ain't doing it, Noah. Quit. Stop. What? Why, why is he entertaining it? Why? Maybe he's just trying to get more eyes. He just had a movie come out, the documentary. He's trying to get more eyes, baby. Trying to make that money that way. Get the people looking at him, you know? I hope you're right. But Dominic, I, hope I, so did, I didn't think the Ashcrum fight was going to happen. I didn't think oh. the Woodley fight was going to happen. And then the rematch happened, too, by the way. They <laughs> <laughs> fought twice. And then I said, well, there's no way he'll ever fight Michael Bisping. If he fights him and wins, I'll be like, well, there's no way he's going to fight Anderson Silva. Well, that's been a lot of people's responses, I will say, from the discussions I've seen. They're like, well, he's not calling out this guy who's actually boxing, by the way. Why aren't you calling out him? I don't want to get into that potential circumstance and what could I would happen. Re- I know some people are, are probably wanting this to continue because, obviously, I'm sure it's fun for a lot of people. And yeah. also, if you're an MMA fan, you want one of these guys that you uh, idolize to go in and beat him. Yeah. But I would rather this just stop. Me too. And they go their separate ways. Jake can have his victories over Woodley and Askren. Yeah. And we just never have to talk about it again. I couldn't have said it better. Jake Paul made. He said he made forty-five million from boxing last year on uh, HBO the other night. Forty-five million. Right. Let's get into the rest. <clears throat> Here we go. So we're going to go back to the UFC again Saturday night. Um, we got some fun ones, by the way. With my favorite fight, maybe, of the whole weekend. Did I already say that? Did I say that about Velasquez? I think you said it six Carvish. times today. <laughs> this is, I mean, these are two of my guys right here. In the flyweight True. division, Sumu Dereji. I guess I don't know how to say his name. Sumu Dereji, I think. Sumu Dereji. I, I yeah. never know how to say it as one. I'm so used to the Sue being yeah. separated when I read it. Right. Sumatareji, right number 12, taking on Manel Cape, who's now number 14 in the division, Dom. Manel Cape, tough start. He's a former Ryzen champion, by the way. 
came over, had a tough start to his UFC tenure, but has seemingly bounced back. His last fight, he, I believe, made weight and got the win. Yes. Because I remember that was the problem the fight before that. He missed weight. So now he's going up against Sue, who is a guy that a lot, probably less people know than Manel Cape. This guy is fucking phenomenal. He's very young, but he is a hammer. This dude, you go watch the knockout of Malcolm Gordon. This guy has lightning quick hands. He's got power behind him. He's huge for his flyweight division. But Manel Cape's a big favorite, and he kind of deserves to be because he's got all this experience. He's fought tougher competition. Yep. But um, they're in a weird spot because Cape is 14, Sue is 12. So how do you see this fight kind of playing out? This fight is so sick. There's two fights that are the clear front runners for the fight of the night, and this is one of them, and we're going to talk about the other one as well. Uh, this is huge. We're, we're big believers in Manel Cape. We we were so excited when he came over from Ryzen. We saw him falter twice. One was a split decision that was very close, but it was just two fights where he wasn't letting it go. But when he did, you saw the glimpses of like, okay, we know how good he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in his last two fights, especially the last one, because he did make the weight and everything checked out correctly, we're like, all right, this is what we've been waiting for. But now he's fighting Sumatareji, who has been destroying everyone in his own right. He's won three fights in a row since losing his UFC debut. It's number 12 versus number 14. I'm saying it right now. The winner of this, by the end of the year, we're talking a, a title contention status, I think, for Ooh, either one of these I guys. I like that. I, yeah. My voice cracked, but I like that. <laughs> no, I like that, Woo. That was a good one. <laughs> I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can commit to that, but I love it because, you know, I yeah. love both these guys. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just for Manel Cape, at his best, I, I think he's better right now mm-hmm. than Sue. But his he, his worse is lower than Sue's worse. Yeah, yeah. Like, Sue has just been most very consistently great. Manel Cape has been title caliber, and he's also been kind of outlier UFC yep. caliber. You know, it's just yep. he needs to just stay consistent, put it all together. And Sue just has to be himself, really, and we're going to have a great fight. It's going to be so fun. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Also on the card, Dominic, another two top 15, this time in the women's flyweight division, Macy Barber. She's been on She's on a two-fight winning streak, correct? She's won back-to-back. Yep. Back. Um, yep. But I think a lot of people Or no, still... one, one in a row, sorry. She had the losing streak before that. She beat Miranda Maverick, though, recently, which so was... Before that, she lost to Alexa Grasso and... yes. And then the um, Roxy fight was before that. Yes, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So she's she had her bounce back fight, got the right. victory over Miranda Maverick. But I think most people feel that she didn't properly win that fight. And even if yeah. even if you just take it with a grain of salt and say, well, the judges scored it that way, it wasn't exactly a performance that we since she lost to Roxy. There's been something missing with Macy Barber. She had one time before that fight, she was undefeated. She was like 21, 22 years old. She was kicking down doors saying, I'm going to be, I'm the future. I'm the present. I'm taking the belt. I'm going to be the youngest UFC champion ever. Yeah. And there's just been something missing since then. Is it because she's fighting better competition? Maybe. But it seems like she's just lagging a little bit and what that fire that used to be there. But it doesn't get any easier, Dominic. She's going to have to figure it out taking on Montana De La Rosa, who might not have a ranking now. I actually said two top 15, and she's not. But she is right there. She's probably yes. ranked number 16 if you had to 
yeah. right amount. And this girl, man, I have She's I so think good. Montana De La Rosa is so underrated. I couldn't agree more. Time and time again, puts on fun fights, goes to war sometimes. She's very talented. And this is a tough fight for Macy Barber. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, this is a really tough fight for Macy. I think it's a great matchmaking fight, too. You know, Montana, still only 27 years old in her own right. She came into the UFC at a super young age. She's already fought. This is going to be her uh, ninth UFC fight. Macy, it's going to be her seventh. Uh, I love everything about this. Montana's grappling. That's the X factor in this one because she's a phenomenal wrestler for this 125-pound division. We saw Macy struggle very much so against Roxy, even though, yes, she tore ACL. I get it. There's an asterisk in that one but also against Miranda Maverick in a fight that many, many people thought she lost. She could be on a three-fight losing streak right now, Noah. A lot on the line for Barber. Big-time opportunity for Montana to take out the biggest name on her resume in terms of, like, name value star power-wise. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, One more for the UFC. This one's just like, I mean, we had to talk about this scrap here. Lando Venata taking on Charles Jordan. I, I've been seeing the clip go around of Jordan doing uh, the 300 We Are Sparta kick to Andre Yule. That's yeah. such a badass move. Yule trying to talk a little shit. Jordan <laughs> just throws a fucking front kick, knocks him down. Oh, it's so great. This fight is phenomenal. I mean, these are two guys yeah. that never quit. They're never in boring fights. They might not always win, but they go out swinging, and I expect nothing less from this matchup. Oh, I mean, amen. I couldn't say anything more. Fasten your seatbelts for this fight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Two more for Bellator. Both of these are from the Saturday card. Uh, so Bellator 279. Ali Malay McFarlane is back. That's right, the inaugural Bellator women's flyweight champion who lost her last fight against Juliana Velasquez, who's defending on Friday. She's back. She's in her home state of Hawaii. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. She's still ranked number one, and she's getting a pretty interesting matchup. The 7-5 and five Justine Kish, who's 0-1 in Bellator, on a three-fight yeah. losing streak. The other two, good competition, UFC before Bellator, but not exactly um, had the best of runs. She went like 3-4 and four in the UFC. Yeah. She's on a three-fight losing streak, 0-1 in Bellator. Is this really just a get-right fight for McFarlane in your eyes? It sure seems like it, and the fact that it's going to be in her home state, it just kind of all of it's in favor of McFarlane, so this would be a pretty big upset. I'm excited to see kind of how she does, though. She hasn't fought since December 2020 when she lost the belt to Velasquez, who we're seeing this weekend that we already discussed. So I I am just... I just want to see what's going to come from McFarlane because she's a great fighter. She's a good finisher. She's still... She's 32, right in that prime it does feel like a, just a bounce-back opportunity. We'll see what happens. You know, as much as it, a lot of people get annoyed with this kind of matchmaking, and I, I agree, I'd rather McFarland be fighting someone... Ranked, even. Just someone. Yeah. yeah. But I will say this puts a lot of pressure on her. Because true, true. In my opinion, if she doesn't even... If she so much as looks vulnerable against Justine Kish... That's going to raise a lot of questions. And yeah. because of that, she has to basically be near perfect here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And finally, at the lightweight division, Emmanuel Sanchez, the former title challenger of featherweight, he's going up and he's welcoming Hawaii's own Yancey Medeiros to Bellator, a guy who 
has been in a lot of fun fights in the UFC. We saw him at UFC 203 back in the day. Yeah, we did. You always forget that, but I don't. He's always one of those guys. Him and Drew Dober were on that card. Isn't yeah, that crazy. Yeah. Um, but Yancey, he kind of fell out of favor with the UFC. He had a tough kind of few losses stack up at the end. But a guy that's, you know, at one time was headlining with like Donald Cerrone, I think, on a card. Like he, at one point in time, the UFC really thought Yancey Medeiros may be a real asset to build on. Yeah, um, it didn't really live up that way, but in my opinion, this fight is amazing. It's a great test for Emmanuel Sanchez, who's looking to make an impact in another division, and for Yancy Medeiros. Yeah, I'm not sure how much how well he's going to stack up going to this Bellator lightweight division, but I love matching him up right here, kind of throwing him into the top ten, see how he swims, you know. Yeah, I, I think this is really fun. Medeiros, it's cool. His Bellator debut, also in Hawaii. He's from Hawaii, trains with Max Holloway. So it's cool he gets to have that there. This fight, I just get the vibe, Noah. It's going to be a little bit bloody. So this is going to be a really fun one. Very scrappy on Saturday night for Bellator. It's a big weekend of fights, people, and I'm so excited. Yeah, make sure to check all those cards out. Watch the PFL. Well, you already missed it if you're Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, make sure to check out the PFL next Wednesday. There we go. Yes. Um, but we'll be back on Monday to talk about all these cards, everything that happened, along with the PFL. We will talk about it then. Um, we do have the Nosebleeds coming on Friday, our betting show. Unfortunately, um, you guys won't hopefully notice a difference, but yeah, we usually record both this episode and the Nosebleeds on Wednesdays. However, DraftKings slacking a little bit this week. <laughs> we are missing hella odds for yeah. the UFC Prop card this wise. weekend. Yeah, well, yeah. The more in depth you go, the method yeah. victory odds aren't on there. It's 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 very uh, hollow right now. Yeah. But we are still going to give you an episode regardless. But we wanted to wait, so we're going to record that Thursday. Right, watching this. Well, it's yeah. getting kind of meta. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. As of now, I don't know if we're gonna have just a normal episode that's in full, you know, all detail. But just yeah. letting you guys know, there might be some stuff not in there, just because right. we may not have it. We'll try to do the best we can. But check that out on Friday. And uh, Dominic, we're here for some final thoughts. It's kind of our last little segment of the show or final uh final statements do we got a banner for it let me i'm throwing it up now hold on give me one second buy me some time buy me some time um so final statements this is just something i introduced on the last episode just the or closing statements thank you um there it is it's closing closing statements since since we uh since we do our outro and our intro i figured as a way to kind of send us out me and dominic we have a time here at the end we can talk about whatever we want. It can be MMA, mm-hmm. it can be not MMA. If we want to bring to light something else happening in the sports world or pop culture or politics even, oh my God, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, um, we can do it here. 2016 so us, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> uh, so Dominic, your closing statements for today's episode. Closing statement. Uh, again, shout out to the ladies for dominating women's MMA this weekend. I'm excited for the three headlining spots for them. Uh, for me personally, 
The weather's looking nice. I think I talked about this on Monday, and I'm saying it again because now I have finalized plans. I'm hitting the links more than a couple times. Actually, I already played yesterday, as the day we're recording this, played like ass. Please give me your thoughts, your prayers. I need to play better this weekend. We're going to a nice course. The sun's going to be shining on me. It's at 740 in the morning on a Saturday. It's going to be a long day. I need the Joeys with me, the community. I need your vibes. Send them over for the links. I, I will be with you in spirit, Dominic. But boy, is that an early tee off time! Like, oh Jesus. yeah, oh yeah. The the grind is real. Now, for my closing statement, I'm actually going to talk about another fight happening this weekend, but not in the MMA side. If you would, I would recommend checking out on the boxing side. Tyson Fury is back this weekend. That's true. He's defending against Dillian White. It's a pretty big fight. I have a feeling Tyson Fury is going to dominate this fight, but I'm excited for it. I'll probably try to watch it, you know. I only have so many screens, but... True. It's in Wembley Stadium, right? Yeah, so it's a pretty big... It's a big fight. Yeah. Um, So make sure to check that out if you're... If you got that extra screen, I mean, put UFC on one, Bellator on another, maybe put the boxing on the phone. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just wanted to throw that out there because I don't really have anything else. So I'm not Look at you, a man of the culture. Yeah, this guy, fighting is in his blood. Guys, I'm just – I do it for you guys. Also, I just want to – we're still in the closing statements. I heard Noah got some cool feedback for his new decoration there in the back. <laughs> Noah thinks his tractor's sexy. Get some comments below for Noah's tractor in the background there. And I love how it. How sexy it is. Yes, exactly. Listen, you know, have I – do we – do you know this? Do you remember this? Have I told Uh-oh. you how oh boy. Kenny Chesney's song, She Thinks My Tractor Sexy, was like the first song that I remember listening to as a kid? Really? Yeah. Fascinating. There's two songs that I remember from being like four years old. Okay. It's that one, and It's a Great Day to Be Alive by Travis Tripp. And Dang. I remember playing those all the time. And, you know, I'm not going to lie you know this from some of your old birthday parties. I used to fucking dance, bro. I used to get down. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> There's footage. Of, there used to be footage. Of, Noah knows how to boot scoot and boogie. We'll just put yeah, it that way. Look, hey, man. I, not anymore. Now I'm old and decrepit. <laughs> one time in my life, I'd fucking get down at the Moose Lodge. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've been there a time or two. <laughs> now, so when, it, when she thinks my tractor sexy came on, the clothes came off, people. Little, like, Dang. if I was if I was in kindergarten and that song came on, I'm going to the principal's office because well, I'm there, there, naked. There's that song, Tequila <laughs> Makes Her Clothes Fall Off. Tractors <laughs> yeah. Make Noah's Clothes Fall Off. That, there and that's why it's there. Beware, people. Caution. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's it. We're out. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you guys on Monday.